right, everybody, welcome back. The uh, second episode, Nasty Boys Podcast. Shane and I here again. Um, like we said, it's going to be kind of spotty to start. We're going to try to do it once a week, um, but we both have real jobs, so we got to kind of fit it in when we can. So, um, obviously, a lot's happened since the last time we recorded back the first week of January. So, um, I don't know, Shane, I'm kind of ready just to get into it. I don't know what you think. Got any other opening thoughts? Uh, yeah, let's get into it. Um, I think not a lot. I mean, considering the time period, um, you wouldn't think a lot's going on, but I mean, there's been decent news, especially surrounding like the Reds and UC football specifically. Yeah, yeah, Reds are definitely, I think, the lead story, especially the stuff that's come out today in the last couple of days with all the trade rumors and mm-hmm. the Reds basically doing like the Michael Scott snip snap snip snap on whether they want to trade or freaking not trade. So it's it's exhausting. Yeah, they're just kind of uh, they're kind of just going back and forth right now. It's like. And, like, as a fan, it's, like, kind of just putting you through, like, hell almost. You're like, yo, like, just pick one or the other, please. Yeah, and that's kind of my opening point with all this. And I think I've, I've said it, like, a lot on Twitter. And I said it even on the last podcast here. But it's decision time for the Reds. Like, this year is decision time. This is 2014. This is, you know, all those years. You can't have another five-year rebuild. And... If you do what they did in 2014 and hang on to guys for too long while they still have their value, and then you don't trade them until the summer of 2016 and they lose all their value, you're going to get screwed. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened, and that's why that rebuild lasted. I mean, shit, you could argue it still lasted. I mean, we I made mean, I, one, one playoff appearance. I mean, so, yeah, and it was, I mean. Lackluster. That's, that's putting it a nice way almost. So – and what I kind of mean by decision time, and I I, lay, I I kind of wrote it out here, I think there's four, there's more, but I think I think there's major pieces that you can decide to move while their value is extremely high. The first one, and it's the guy in the news right now, and it's the most obvious, is Luis Castillo. Now, I should preface this by saying this. I don't want the Reds to trade <laughs> Luis Castillo. I want the Reds to go for it. But I'm gonna let. I, I think they have two options. I don't want the Reds to trade Luis Castillo. I would want the Reds to go all in because I think their team has a good enough core. If they added strong one or two pieces, they could really compete for a World Series. But and I'll kind of label out like I don't think people in Cincinnati or at least like casual fans, maybe just overall. Like I got into arguments with Yankees fans on Twitter on. <laughs> Drunk on Friday, they were like when all the rumors came out about Castillo. I said, "Okay, you start with Glaber Torres and Clint Frazier, and then we'll talk." And Yankee fans are like, "You're crazy!" I'm like, "You guys are crazy. You guys think Garrett? I think Luis Castillo would step in and be right away their best pitcher. Easily. Garrett Cole gets with Garrett Cole Garrett gets Cole. on the club. Luis Castillo, Luis Castillo is so much more valuable than him, especially in the Yankees ballpark because you're talking. I mean, it's just like Great American. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's, it's hitter central. So. You get a guy in there like Luis Castillo who he's that two seam sinker ball thrower with his changeup, where where Garrett Cole's more that velocity up in the zone type guy. Like, I mean, Garrett Cole is obviously one of the best pitchers in baseball. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, you're talking about Luis Castillo. He's he's top end pitcher. Dude, so so listen, so this is what I was looking at before, and this is all stuff on Fangraphs. Um, but Luis Castillo, he's 28 years old, right? The Reds have him. So this is talking about his value, how valuable he is. The Reds have him for three years of control left on his contract. So 2021, 2022, 2023, the Reds control him until he becomes a free agent. And those are arbitration years. So for people who don't understand, that's basically the last years of your rookie, we'll call it rookie contract, yeah. where you're, you basically play at a pretty cheap cost. That's why service time and all that shit and with spring training and holding guys back is so important. So I'll try to get an extra year of service time because it keeps these guys cheap. So right now the Reds are going to pay Luis Castillo $4 million this year. They settled in arbitration for $4 million. Listen to these stats. Since 2019, he's 11th in war among all starting pitchers in baseball. He's 14th in ERA. He's 12th in FIP. That puts him in the category with guys like Zach Wheeler, um, who just signed a hundred million dollar deal last offseason? Hundred Zach Wheeler just signed a five year, hundred eighteen million dollar deal last offseason. It puts him with Justin Verlander, who just signed a two year, sixty six million dollar deal, and uh, is arguably one of the best pitchers in our era. 
it puts him with Kyle Hendricks, who's four years, fifty-five million, and he's considered cheap. And he's a Cy Young, kinda, he, yeah, and he's a Cy Young guy every year. Yeah, so the, it, that puts him in that category where those guys are making twenty, twenty-five million dollars a year, and the Reds got a pitcher for the next three years who is just as good, if not more talented, because we still don't think he's even peaked. Exactly. At at twenty million dollars cheaper. You, you watch Luis Castillo, and I mean, I, I really like watching him because I was a pitcher, so it's like. You see how good he is, but you see also how much that there still is to go. Like he's he's got so he much. He doesn't even have potential. a third pitch yet. No, exactly. And I've talked we've talked <laughs> about that before. And he tried to work on it this year. There it's yeah. you it was he was trying to work on the slider, working on the slider. And like there were flashes of like brilliance, like wow, that if he could get that like consistently, I mean, you gotta look out. Like that's yes. that's good luck. Yeah. So I, I think obviously he's the guy with the most value. So if the Reds look to trade and the Reds look go towards the rebuild route, that's the obvious one. And you ha- and the Reds, according to report, shot for the stars, which they should do. They asked the Yankees for yeah. Glaber Torres, who's the and best young prospect in all of baseball. It's that crazy. Is, it's, yeah, you it's, have to do that. You have you to. You have to do that. Yeah, and you you were talking about before, like you're talking about these Yankee fans, and it's like, I mean, these people are just like expecting you to take dirt off the floor for them. It's yeah. ridiculous. No, it's it's ins- like like um you know I could see the Dodgers probably jumping in because they want to jump in on everybody. Yeah, and it's four million dollars. So they also they also yeah, and they also have a top five farm system where yeah exactly. So start with Gavin Lux. Like we'll start with Gavin Lux and we'll work that work our way down. And that's kind of the the mindset the Reds need to have if they are going to move it and the Reds would get a haul for him, despite what the fucking Indians just did. But uh, yeah, but that was a little bit different because you're talking about a guy that he's got one year, he's one year away. left, he's and, one year away, and he's a, he's he's about to get a three hundred million dollar deal. So, exactly. Yeah. More than yeah. It, it was it was like hair pulling to see what the Mets gave up to get him, but then you gotta like realize like, all right, well, we'll we'll get to first, that. Yeah. Talking about my frustrations because yeah. that that's a whole other time. But talking about guys with values and guys the Reds should be building around, I think Amir Garrett probably one of the top young, controllable, left-handed relief pitchers in baseball, which you see is so valuable. And I'd like, yeah. I'd talk more to that, but, I mean, it's end of the season, October, teams trying to make a push. I mean, Aroldis Chapman was traded for Glaber Torres. The Cubs traded away for a half a half season, season. Aroldis Chapman in 2016. Glaber Torres is the number one prospect in all of baseball. Yeah, she got the flag. Yeah. So, I mean, that left-handed, elite left-handed pitching is insanely valuable. Amir Garrett is similar to Luis Castillo. He has three more years of control under arbitration. The Reds are paying him $1.5 million this year. That's a guy that is, is insane value that yeah. the Reds could get a pretty big haul for, who's been relatively good. His numbers put him in the top probably 35 relievers in all of baseball. When you narrow that down to left-handed relievers, he's top 10. Top 10. Easy. If, top not, 10. if not, probably already top five. Yeah, especially with the way he ended last year. Like he was, yeah. he had a rough start to twenty nineteen. That was probably skewed his numbers. I'd, yeah, I'd be shocked if we actually like dug into and like actually checked just left handed relievers. I'd yeah. I'd be shocked if he wasn't top five. Yeah, he's 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 right in there. I think the next one is Jesse Winker. He's twenty seven. Another guy, three years of control, arbitration value. I didn't get the exact numbers on him, but I want to say they settled in like the two million range with Wink. Um, I can. Similar kind of, no matter where they settled, it's it's not anywhere. It's not north of four million. No. So they're settling with a guy who was near the top of the league last year in on base percentage, who was in the was player of the month, I think, one month. You know, a twenty plus home run guy. He has a bad glove, but it's three years of control with a universal DH coming in probably a year. So it's like that is so much value. That's a guy who's going to hit above two sixty from the left handed side of the plate. Who has shown the ability to DH? Who can play probably right or left field? Has at least played it. He's not great at it, and he's going to hit for home run. He's going to hit for on base. He can do all those things. He's the top of the order bat for three years. Again, less than five million dollars a year. Like three three point one five. Yeah, so they, three 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 million dollars a year. Three point one mil. I mean, ridiculous. And you saw yeah. what happened there. I think it was what the month of June or I think it was July when he was just. Uh, I mean, he could have closed his eyes and swung it and putting the ball out of the park. Again the exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think he uh, – I think a good comparison for him is Jay Bruce, and I think he's less streakier than Jay Bruce and a better contact hitter than Jay Bruce. And he actually knows People how to – People don't forget yeah. – he, he knows how to go backside. 
yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And people forget how good. I mean, I'll, I'll say Jay Bruce, and some people were like rolling their eyes on their car, but people forget he won like three Silver Sluggers when he was here. So like he was yeah. a pretty good, he was a pretty good right fielder. So it's like, you know, putting Winker in that category as a prospect is a pretty big deal. I think the next guy. So I had five guys on this list who I thought the Reds had like insane value on. The next two are guys who are no longer in arbitration. They have their major league contracts, but the Reds got them for pretty cheap because they signed them early, which is smart. Um, and this guy, Suarez, has been in a ton of trade talks. Mm-hmm. He, the Nationals obviously pursued him. The Reds have him for five years of control. He's Last, making, he what, signed, like $13 mil? He signed a six-year, six $66 million contract, so he has five years left on that. So it's $11 million a year average. Uh, the way – Obviously, it's, they don't do the same every single year. So the last year, I think it's team or a player option, though, but he's owed $15 million a year. So at the most you're paying is $15 million a year. Other than that, you're basically playing around $9, $10 million a year for him. Suarez, he ranks, since 2019, he ranks 33rd in war among all baseball players with a 5.64. He's second in home runs in all of baseball. He's 35, 35th in weighted runs, created, weighted runs created plus 23rd in OPS. That puts him in the categories with guys like Josh Donaldson, who signed a four-year, $92 million contract. It's over $20 million a year. Manny Machado, who signed a 10-year, $300 million <laughs> contract, $30 million a year. Paul Goldschmidt, five years, $130 million. Uh, so that's over, well over 20. That's 20, what, $5 million a year, right? And Suarez is making $11 million a year. You get a gold glove caliber bat. He's probably coming off his worst season in the major league since his rookie year. I was just about to say that. I mean, you could probably almost argue that those numbers are a little bit skewed, skewed because, of, because of last, badly. Of last yeah. season. Exactly. Like if you were to look exactly. at those stats after the 2019 season when he broke the Venezuelan home run record, yeah. it's like, good lord. Yeah, he his war is basically right on pace with guys like Rizzo uh, in the last two years. Anthony Rizzo, Paul Goldschmidt. Like I said, Josh Donaldson, Machado, like those guys, he's right there with in war, and he's making significantly less money than what those guys will Rizzo will make in a year, and the rest of those guys are making. So like that again, that's just another position, especially a third base where it's a cornerstone. I mean, and, and I mean, how many guys at third base? I mean, Arenado's getting ready to get paid. Chris uh, uh, Machado just got paid. Chris Bryant, Bryant will get paid. You know, that's a cornerstone position where guys tend to get paid and for big power bats, and you're going to get him through his age 35 season at 11 million a year. Give me that that's, all. That's day. another that's <laughs> another guy where you get insane value from. Insane. And then Sonny Gray's the last one. This is probably the least, Definitely but he's still the been least. the last two years a top 15 pitcher in baseball. He's making about 12 million a year, I think is what it rounds out to. But that's still significantly less. Like I said, I mean, Verlander's making $33 million a year, and he's put up on-par numbers. Not yeah, yeah. as good, but, I mean, they're they're close enough to where it, like, raises your eyebrows. For sure. And <laughs> it's like – Sonny Gray, I, I really like his contract, too, because it is very it's, – it's, I think it's three years, $30 million is what the actual thing is. But it's loaded with incentives, and, like, as yeah. a fan of a team – one of your best players, you have a incentive loaded contract. Like that's things you just love to see because, I mean, he gets if he throws 190 innings, if I'm right, he makes like another 1.2 million. Yeah, it's, so he it's has like, a lot of incentive built. That things. incentive to go out there and ball out, basically. Yeah. So I, and, and the, the point for me to like bringing that up is like I said, it's dis- decision time with the Reds. So you can look at that one of two ways. You can look as like, oh, the Reds have a a pretty young controllable core for the next three years on top of Moustakis and Castellanos who contracts aren't as team friendly, but they're valuable, especially in the middle of the order on top of Nick Senzel and Shogo Akiyama on top of, you know, the starting pitch, you know, Tyler Malley, Michael Lorenzen guys that they have in place. You can look at it as, okay, so we're one or two, like going for it pieces away from really competing or, you can sell all of that shit and get a king ransom and, and flip your your organization in a year or two. But you think, really can. I mean, now in baseball days. So it's like that's kind of my frustration with it all is like choose. You put this team, just the core that they have here, cannot it will not compete for a World Series. No. We're the sixth or seventh best team in the National League right now. Yeah, and we talk No about, one wants to admit that. Because yeah. all we want to hear is that we we're gonna win the division. Which is a maybe at most. At most. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can be the Vegas favorites and all. That's great, but it's like, I mean, 
I mean, we made it to the playoffs last year, and that was fun and all, but then three days later, we, we walked out after, what, 22 innings of baseball with zero runs and, like, six hits. And how were we feeling? We were feeling like, what are we doing here? So it's like, oh, you just want to roll out the same squad, go through the same thing, hope, probably play half the year under 500, realistically. And then you get to the playoffs and you just pray that something happens. Like, that's not how a winning championships work. And it's and it's not even the same squad. Technically, yeah. it's a worse squad. It's we worse. lost one of the guys who went nine innings, zero runs. And we lost our closer who threw, like, I think three innings, pretty good ball in that series. And we haven't added a single person. And we haven't added. <laughs> I mean, so it's like at some point, you're, you're, you've really downgraded your roster last year. And I'm not saying they should sign Trevor Bauer. I don't think so. And we'll, I, you know, we can talk about guys we think they should sign or what's reasonable. But, like, that's why this won't work because the Braves have gotten better. The Dodgers are loaded already and are still looking to add. The Mets have just gotten a ton better. Uh, and the Padres are a ton better. Those are four teams that are easily, easily, yeah, easily speaking, better than us. Speaking of the Padres, do you, or do you see that trade they just made? Yeah, they got Musgrove from Musgrove. Pirates. So I mean, that's now now you add Darvish, Musgrove, and Snell. See, that's a team. That's a team who I wouldn't say is in a similar position as the Reds because they have more young. Like, but at one point Fernando they Tatis, were. Fernando Tatis is better, but they they have a lot of young talent who's cheap, and they decided, all right, fuck it, we're gonna go sign Hosmer, Machado, and, and Will Myers, and then we're gonna trade for Mike Clevenger, and we're really gonna go for it. And that's a team who has to play the Dodgers nineteen times a year. Like the Reds, the Reds. If the Reds went for it, and by going for it, I mean trade for Francisco Lindor or Nolan Arenado. That's going for it, or Trevor Story. Story that's yeah. going for it. Then you're you're we would run away with the division, barring injury. Run away with it. Then you can set yourself up. That's a hundred win team. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we're already the Vegas favorites, and it's like, and we haven't had. We've only lost pieces, like you said. We haven't <laughs> added anything. So it's like, imagine if you go out there and you add superstar player or not even a superstar but an all-star player yeah i so, mean and, you, and like it's like come on we can look at the, so i guess we can talk so obviously i think we're both in agreement. the position is shortstop right absolutely where they have to i think they have to add yeah i mean we don't um, have anyone there right now if you look at a roster kyle farmers are start opening day shortstop yeah i mean jose siri tried last year he's just too young he's not close and but I mean, the only reason he was even in that position is because he had like we, had no, we didn't, yeah. one and two, we didn't have minor leagues. So it's like they want to keep getting him at bats because he's a vital part of the future. So it's like you're not going to just send this guy home for six months out of the year. Like you, you want to get him at bats, but it was just unfortunate with everything going on. It's kind of what they had to do. Yeah, I agree. So I think that's what is so important. So like, like uh, shortstop, obviously. So. Lindor was everyone's number one option. Everyone's number one, and rightfully so. And I think there are negatives to him, like to getting him. What would you say? I think there's like negatives to potentially have gotten, like if we would have gotten him. There absolutely is. There absolutely is negatives to it, one hundred percent, because you, the Reds aren't going to sign him to a three hundred fifty four hundred million dollar contract. So it's a one year deal. So there's problems with that. But I saw what the Mets gave up. Well, yeah, I mean, it's and it's, it's like cringeworthy. Did the Reds try? I remember did the Reds what, try. I remember the day the Reds, the Reds could have made a better. You can't argue. I'm not saying the Reds should have dealt their farm system because there's a fine line for one year. But Jonathan Indy is a higher rated prospect than any player the Mets gave up, and I would. Give up Jonathan. I would Indy. gladly give up Jonathan. <laughs> I mean, like, what are we talking? I would give up Hunter Green. Yeah, that sounds insane. And uh, you know, I mean, Hunter Green might be a great player, but I'm, it's like, and we're not, we're forgetting here. They also got Carlos Carrasco, who the Reds could use a starting pitcher, based on losing Bauer. You could get Carrasco and Lindor for one year, and boom, the goal was to win a World Series. Now you're a World Series contender. You just added an MVP to the middle of your infield. And at the biggest position of need for you. So it's like – And probably see, like realistically outside of – I mean this is my personal opinion, but outside of pitcher, I think shortstop's the most important position in the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, think – You saw what Lindor did when he was in Cleveland. Like that dude is the captain of a team. He brings people together. Like he's the type of guy that you want in your clubhouse. He's not this like me guy. Like he's a 
guy, he goes out there, he balls out, but he brings people around him together and he makes them better too. And that's exactly what you want. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. I thought it was a huge, and maybe they did try. Maybe, you know, we were blind to it and the Reds I did would, try. And I remember the day that the trade went through, I texted you. I said, I would love to know what the Reds offered. Yeah, I would I, love I would, to know. I, I would love to get in the room and hear what was offered and I get it. The Reds are saying they have salary constraints and that's great. Maybe that's the case, but Lindor, it's a one year thing, man. It's one year to win the world series. So I don't know. Um, but that option's obviously out the window and he's probably going to be a Met for the next 10 years. So it's like, where do you go from here? I mean, I think there's three choices, right? Three like realistic, hopeful choices. Yeah, I think there's a lot of choices. But the, the ones Reds, that there's the three ones, choices that we want them to make. <laughs> that I mean, if you're sitting in Nick Prowl's seat, you got to think of he's got those three guys at the top of his board, which is going to be Didi, Marcus Simeon, and and Dalton Simmons. Yeah, I threw Simmons. I mean, Simmons is the Reds throwing in the can for me. And Dalton Simmons and Dalton Simmons is Tucker Barnhart at shortstop. I want yeah. nothing to do with the guy. I hate yeah. Tucker Barnhart. He's a, probably a great clubhouse guy, great. But I could give two shits about how gold gloves. If you're going to go up to the plate and hit 220, get off my team. Yeah. It, Simmons, if the Reds go out and sign Andrelton Simmons and that's how they want to address shortstop, then, you know. Trade for that's, that's Yeah. Trade yeah, Gray. That, just that's bulk, that's bulk a firehouse. That's, that's a sign of firehouse for me. For me, the three options were trade for Trevor Story. Yep. Which again, I know it's a long shot. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm, we're dreaming here. Yeah, Trevor's story would be in the Reds are going all in. I think my number two option is go get Marcus Simeon. Um, Gold Glove, Calvert Glove. I think I personally would rather have Didi. I would rather have Didi over Marcus because I think you're going to save money. I don't know if I'd prefer one over the other, but I think Didi is probably more realistic than Simeon, in my opinion. I think I agree. So I think Didi's the most realistic option. I think Simeon's a lot better player. Prefer so prefer preferring yeah. it. And I know the the contract constraints and everything, but the Reds have been linked to him. The Reds have met with him, so it, it makes you wonder. He is an all star. I think last year I didn't look at his exact numbers. I think he was down a bit last year. But he had a, um, he had a, like a pretty rough um like regular season, but in the once he got into the postseason, I'm pretty sure he hit well over four hundred. Yeah, and he won. I think he won a Gold Glove again. Yeah. So I mean, oh, he's an all-star shortstop. Like, if he goes out there and he does what he's he's capable of doing, he's gonna be he'll be in the all-star game. Year in exactly. and year out. So, and that would be. I don't know if that puts the Reds over the top. Um, it definitely doesn't put them over the top. They're not better than the four teams that I think I listed still. But I think it still gives them. Now it's like, all right, now we can do something. Now you can go into this team, and then if we're playing really well, maybe make a trade at the trade deadline and go from there. You know what I mean? Like, that's what that's what Simeon would feel to me. Didi, I guess, would be the same thing. I just don't know if I – his glove is smoother. Yeah, but, like, and, though, I don't know. The way I kind of look at it is, like, I don't know. I kind of was saying with Simmons, like, I mean – if you're going to boot a couple balls, that's fine. But if you're going to go out there and you're going to hit 20-plus home runs and hit 270-plus, I'd prefer that. Personally. Yeah, and if he does that, I would, it's definitely it's de- – he's definitely an upgrade. I mean, you saw what you know Didi I mean? did in the – I mean, just like we were talking about Garrett Cole and Luis Castillo, you saw what Didi did in New York. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I don't know why – He had a good year last year. And I, I don't think know. he had a 4-8. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know why – I don't know. I prefer – I think – I think I don't know. I hope Didi's a red come spring personally. I because I think he's the most realistic option. I think I agree. So I think he's the most realistic option, and he is he is the if that is the guy, then the Reds need to do it. Um, I again just I think Didi and Moose up the middle is yeah. Good luck. I mean, <laughs> don't is, count on too many double plays being turned. That is that is not great, but you're pitching Great American Ballpark, so whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, but like I said, overall, those are the three options. And I, we said it, I, I don't know if the Reds are even going to do any of those. Like, it, the way it sounds, it's like they're just piddling their feet around this whole thing. It's like... I think a lot of that has, has to do with, like, how the current market is, though. Like, there's not a lot of movement being made. Yeah, but, I mean... 
outside China of the Mets and the Padres. We saw Lindor traded. We saw the Yankees just signed DJ LeMahieu. The Dodgers are being linked to every fucking player in America. It's like the Reds, the only thing you hear is that the Reds are selling. Yeah. I mean, we really that, haven't heard yeah. that the Reds are being linked to like hard pursuers. I mean, we've heard like interested in and Marcus Simeon and Didi Gregorius, which is like, okay, well, well, 28 teams are interested in them. So it's like, are you really interested? Are you interested like you were in Moustakis and Castellanos? Or are you just like... You're saying you're interested just to try to appease people. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's another thing too. Like, I always wonder, like, if you're sitting in the cat, like, as a Castellini or Nick Kroll, are you hesitant to make these moves because you don't want to lose the fan base? Not the whole fan base, but I guarantee you there's people out there with the Reds trade Luis Casillo. They're 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 done. Which, yeah, as a fan, I wouldn't be, but I I get it from other people. Like, it's frustrating because we just went through a damn near decade of a rebuild. And then we Dude, finally the made the playoffs four times since 2000. Yeah. We haven't won a playoff series since 1995. And it doesn't help yeah. that it doesn't help that the Bengals are a hundred yards down the road that haven't won a game, have the longest non playoff win streak in the NFL now. Yeah. People are frustrated and, and baseball, you know, isn't exactly a sport that like appeals to everyone, but the Reds kind of appealed to the city last year just because they, you know, they showed, it was success for the first time. Like, we're gonna, time. We're yeah. gonna try, and and appealed, and it. I guess you could say it worked. I mean, it was a you know, whatever. It was a weird season, sixty games. They got to the playoffs, uh, but to just see them kind of fall back on that now, when the whole division's getting worse, it's and like, to watch come them on. be like, it's like make like. Well, we're we tried for one year, now we're gonna like, give it up. I, I would understand if fans were like, screw this. I really would. Yeah, but it's like, come on, man! It's right there in front of you. Seize it. Yeah, and I know 162 games kind of can fix all that shit, but it's just there's 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 too many question marks, man, for me to even believe in this team right now. Like I'm not even I I can't even I always get excited for Reds because I love baseball and I, I love watching the Reds, but I you can't sell me on this team competing for a pennant. No, yeah, there's no way, not right now. But you can't good- even tell me this team can win a playoff series. Like I, I, this team could not win a playoff series right now. No, I mean you gotta have, you gotta you gotta have pitching in order to do that. And we currently came and complete a bullpen. Um, but the good thing is, I mean, I'm in the same boat you are. I mean, it's frustrating, but I'm gonna be optimistic and be like, well, it's January 18th. We don't even know when the season's starting yet. Like they still yeah. don't have that, so it's like, go out there. I mean, we make two three moves in the next in two weeks. Two weeks from now, we're talking and we're gonna be a way different. Like yeah. this conversation is completely different. Yeah. So it's like. Can't throw on the towel yet. Yeah, it's frustrating, but at least like it's not like the Reds are far from it. We're two moves away, three moves away, where we're back. Like, all right, yeah, they're doing it. But it's frustrating because it's like it's frustrating though because it's like you doubt the Reds and like as a sports fan of a certain team that fucking sucks. Well, it it's not even like doubt, but it's just we don't like the only thing we're hearing is about their negative. Yeah, so it's like it's selling. And so it's like you doubt that they're going to make a positive move. It's like right, and it's you know, I mean, how many times is Luis Castillo going to hear his name come up in trade talks before he goes to Nick Kroll and it's like, all right. And I think, well, did you see on? what Nick Kroll did last night? Yeah, he's so full of shit. Yeah. He's so full of shit. <laughs> but every I, major, every major reporters out there reporting that, and uh, he's the like Reds are completely Reds. false. <laughs> I mean, the trade was, I mean, all those loser Yankee guys were saying that the trade happened, but. It definitely, they definitely talked to him. It was definitely that definitely happened. It was reported they asked for Glaber Torres, which yeah. is what they should do. But uh, I mean, all right. So I kind of want to. I mean, I feel like we're kind of winding down on the Reds here. So I kind of want to because this could kind of carry into our next like topic. So you put on Twitter the other day. Um, I forget what day it was. You put up a poll question, and it was talking. I forget the exact how you word it. You can you can correct. I know me what you're talking about. Yeah, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But it was something along the lines of like. Who is closer to winning a championship right now? Something along that line. It was the Bengals. That's exactly what it was. Yep. And I saw that and I was like, it's a really interesting question. And it's like, you kind of, you hear it and you would think Reds right off the top of your head, right? I mean, they're the division favorites, like they're the move or two away. But it's like, the more you actually look at it and think about it, it's like, is it really the Reds? I don't think it is. I I mean, when I voted, I voted Bengals. I took the Bengals. Like, the more I thought about it, it's because you can look – we can kind of transition to the Bengals. Um, 
But it's like, all right, so we just got the number one pick. We got Joe Burrow. You got, I know people aren't huge on him. Some people are, some people not. But you got a good running back in Joe Mixon, <laughs> who, by the way, Bengals just hired Frank Pollock. Last time Frank Pollock was a coach in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon led the league in rushing yards. Mm-hmm. You got Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, premier wideouts. You have the number five pick in the draft coming up. You have the best safety in football, who, by the way, somehow didn't make all pro or the Pro Bowl. Makes no sense. You got a young nucleus of D-line. You got like Hubbard. You got um, Akeem Gaither's um, kid from... Uh, App State, you got Logan Wilson, you got tr- guys like Trey Wayne too, and Mackenzie Alexander. You got Von Bell. So it's like, I think it's easy to I don't, I don't not easy, but I think if you said the Bengals, I mean, it sounds crazy, but I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of a funny question because I think you could like the obvious answer is like, well, neither is really close. So, yeah. but but if, if you had but to pick answer, one, so the way I worded it was I said taking in all the factors, the division, the league they play in. Salary caps, coaching, everything, future drafts, everything. Who is closer to winning a championship, the Bengals or the Reds? And I agree with you. I voted Bengals too, and kind of for the similar reasons that that you that you said. But um, it sounds wild to say I have more faith in the Bengals front office, which is even yeah, crazier. Which I mean, you, if I mean that's crazy to say, but it's like you're right, dude. It's it's insane, and I think the Bengals have their guy right like when you have a quarterback i think it i mean just look at the you know championships that are getting right i mean it's rogers brady mahomes allen right like you have a good quarterback everything kind of just will eventually just kind of come together and you'll be good and the Bengals, you know like you said they have a lot of pieces i think they have to sign william jackson and and carl lawson and mackenzie alexander in the offseason those are all free agents those are big moves at least two of those three probably should come back mm-hmm. um they'll franchise one of them for sure and then, like you said, top five pick, whether that results in, you know, whatever it will result in. Um, but there's enough pieces there where you look in like young, talented, like, yeah, this team can compete and it's not going away. Right. Like, like they, these guys are going to be here for a little while and they have something to build on. As you look for the Reds, like we said, it's a three, two, three year window. And if they don't go for it now, when? when? Because these guys are losing their value. So, I think my answer could change quickly if the Reds started to like, yeah, like, like really what we were fire sell or really go for it. Like, and then you could be like, all right, well, the Reds are built now have the number one farm system in baseball, and they can, you know, they have all these young guys controllable for six or seven more years, and you know, that can change. But for right now, I totally agree. I think it's, I think it's the Bengals. And I heard something interesting on the radio because they were talking about yesterday's game um, with Drew Brees and Tom Brady playing each other, whatnot, like two of the best quarterbacks to ever play. And then they were talking about if you they're they're more so talking about Drew Brees and how what he did for the Saints and how they kind of went from nothing to relevant. Pretty much every year he was in New Orleans. And they were kind of just pit, like talking and it's like if you have a relevant quarterback like Pro Bowl quarterback, you're more than likely going to make the playoffs. So it's like I went through it this year. I'm doing going through it now, and I'm looking at the teams that didn't make the playoffs. And like you look at their quarterbacks, Miami, they're they didn't have really a quarterback this year. They were tossing back and forth between Tua. They weren't really sure. Like, mm-hmm. and then Fitzmagic, Cam Newton on the Patriots, washed. Yeah. Jets are the Jets. We're not. We don't even have to get in them. Bengals, obviously, Burrow getting hurt. Then you go. The Texans is probably the most. Deshaun Watson's the best quarterback that didn't make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Then you go Jacksonville, no quarterback. Raiders, Derek Carr, super mid. Chargers, young team. Denver, Drew Locke is trash, in my opinion. Giants, Daniel Jones, who cares? Dallas didn't really have a quarterback. Eagles were the Eagles. That's a dumpster fire. Vikings and Kirk Cousins, major coin like. Super mid, yeah. in my opinion. Lions, Matt Stafford can barely run anymore. I mean, he has no offensive line. Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater, super mid. Matt Ryan's too old. And then Niners didn't have a quarterback. And then the Cardinals had um, Kyler, who didn't play the last game of the year, so they didn't make the playoffs. So it's like you go through those teams, and every team that made the playoffs, they have a relevant quarterback. So it's like, 
Well, now we got Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is supposed to be like an MV, future MVP. So it's like, all right, well, we got that block here. So it's like, now we, I feel like we're starting to hit a pace where we can, we're going to become relevant again. Yeah, I think, I think you kind of hit the. I mean, other than like Washington. Well, that's because the NFL or the NFC East doesn't have a quarterback in the right, entire right, division. Right, 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 right. So I'm, I was just trying to think, like overall, though. I guess you can make maybe the slight argument of the Rams, but I mean, golf's been to a Super Bowl, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, like I think you're absolutely right. Like a quarterback is the most important position in all sports. Yeah. So if you get that right, you're you're increasing. It's not that you make the playoffs every year, but you increase your playoff chances exponentially yeah i mean, I like, mean look at look, exponentially look at what the chiefs did i mean before mahomes got there they had alex smith who before his leg injury was a great quarterback i mean mm-hmm. like mid-tier and i'm but they weren't they would make the playoffs and they were like very on the fringe i would say mm-hmm. but then you bring in mahomes who i mean i get it mahomes is mahomes like i'm not but it's like now they're like super bowl or bust every year it seems like and yeah they have a great coach which obviously helps but it's like you hit yeah. that corner, like, that's a huge building block. Like, you hit that out of the park, and it's, like, only thing – it feels like things can only go up. Right. It's. I think if you're, if you're elite at quarterback, or at least very good, there's some – I don't know the exact stat. I want to say – I want to say it might be pro football focus. It was definitely someone with pro football focus tweeted it out. But, like, there's only – in the last, like – 15 years or something crazy basically since the nfl's like really turned into like a passing offensive pro league only two times has a quarterback not rated in the top 10 like pro football focus rated quarterbacks not won the super bowl and i think it was peyton manning when he was washed in denver and then flacco who played white hot in the playoffs yeah i think if you're talking denver you might as well just chalk that one up to that defense right (laughs) so it's like and my point like getting that is like really the Quarterback having being really good or elite at quarterback is the fastest way to get to a Super Bowl. Yep. Because you know you can be a, like the Bears are and Washington's kind of a good example. Like both of them, Bears and Washington, I would say two teams with shitty quarterbacks but made the playoffs. Um, obviously, weren't good teams. Extenuating circumstances, both had kind of bad records, but whatever. But they made the playoffs. But they were elite. Like both had pretty elite defenses, I would say. Yeah. And. They were never even considered a threat because the quarterback position was so, so bad. Yeah. I mean, even if the quarterback position was like okay, but they're still not even like the elite teams. The good teams are the ones like quarterback late in the game. This guy's going to go win you the game, and I think that's where football is so different. Is if you're elite at quarterback, you have a shot. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're elite at quarterback, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a great example. For years, the, the Packers were kind of. I don't want to say mediocre because I think he like people overblow that a little bit, but like they were average at a lot of other positions, wide receivers, especially, running back, especially defense, defense. Like I mean, yeah, I mean they, you they can even kind of say it this year. Like they're, I don't think their de- their defense is probably I would say like in the fifteen range, like ranks, right? Like total defense. But he's just elite. But guess what? They're the number one team in the NFC, and the NFC got a first round bye, and now they're in the NFC Championship. Right, so it's like if you're if you're elite at quarterback, it can cover up a lot and mask a lot of issues. So I, again, I think in like the roundabout answer, I think that's why the Bengals can be. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, hell, Deshaun Watson is kind of a good. I mean, this is the first year's kind of class, but they went to the playoffs so many other times, and now it's just like, holy shit, that team kind of stunk. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you take away what they do, take away Hopkins, two, and, Hopkins, and then Tunsil, or they traded for Tunsil. They traded for Tunsil. They and got it's him like. They trade away Hopkins, and it's like, wow, this offense now looks like they're a bunch of blind mice. Like, yeah. So it's like it's, it, it, you know, you're a lead quarterback. You you got a shot, and I, I think it's you're absolutely right. So I think, yeah, I mean, kind of long winded answer saying, but I think that's why it makes perfect sense, perfect logical sense to say the Bengals. Yeah, perfect sense to say the Bengals. I'm excited uh, though about the Frank Pollock hire. I think it's almost like the first hire that Zach Taylor's nailed since yeah, he's gotten here. It, he kind of got a lot of, I mean, you know, a lot of the Bengals people said that he just, he got on and it was kind of weird circumstances because he was the last coach to, the Bengals clearly interviewed and hired him before they could announce it because he was in the Super Bowl, right? So they had to wait until everybody else was essentially hired. Yeah. And then all those guys hired their staffs and Taylor was kind of behind it. And it kind of seemed like he just hired his friends <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, he definitely had past connections with, uh, Jim Turner was the obvious one. So, 
Uh, Frank Pollock's <laughs> a, a established guy. Obviously, the Bengals' offensive line. Um, you know, kind of interesting things like uh, you brought up Mixon. That was his best year. Um, he averaged like I think it was like four point four yards a carry that year. Something it was really good. It was um, through the roof. Uh, Basically, what got him they, his contract. Yeah, yeah, it was a big year. Um, it was also uh, Billy Price's highest graded uh, year. And that yeah, that was another thing. I was going to say is like if you look at the t- the offensive line that he was working with when Mixon um, had the or led the league in rushing, it's not like oh my god, like right, amazing. So, and that, that wasn't me saying like Billy Price is going to be a starter on this team, but it's no. just like he, it shows you know, what he, he can do. He elevated Billy. Price it shows his, it shows his coaching ability for sure. Right, so it's like you get you get him with a Jonah Williams, and then you know maybe you know Penny Sewell's there at five because that's seeming to become maybe a little more popular now, then it's all of a sudden like, oh, shit. Okay, now you're giving Frank Pollock a legit, pretty good two cornerstones and that stuff. Yeah. He's the run game coordinator, yep. so they're going to fix their run game. Hopefully we see none more of those bullshit short side tosses that they fell in love with last year. I've never For seen no a reason. team line up on the right hash, throw a pitch to the right side, and get negative three yards as many times as the Bengals did last year. It was so – I freaking could not stand it. But – um, yeah, I, th- I think Frank Pollock was a home run hire, home run hire. So I think kind of transition into the next topic, um, talking about hires, you see kind of just splashed in the news here. And like the last week, obviously with Freeman leaving, I know we haven't really talked about that yet. I know on our last episode, we talked kind of about him potentially leaving and probably preparing for him to leave. And then I think it was like what two days after we recorded, he he took the job at Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, but they came out today and they um, hired uh, Tressel from Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit. Um, I don't want to say controversial. Um, he you know he's a former UC guy, coached here under D'Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I don't want to say controversial because it's giving annoying UC fans an out, like their opinion is good, but it's such a stupid opinion, but there's a rumor or I don't know if it's a rumor. It might be true, but a story that when D'Antonio got hired to Michigan state, uh, Trestle was like celebrating in the winter center, like going crazy. Cause he, you know, he knew D'Antonio was going to take him with him. So it kind of left a bad taste in everyone's mouth, but it's like, it's like get out of here with that. 15, 15 years ago, UC's program was in a complete different state. He was young. He was going to take a better job in a, a power five paper. school get over it yeah like so, what do you want the guy to be all like damn like i'm going to a power five school and getting a pay raise you want him to be pissed off yeah. like come on no it was it was that was a you know other than that i thought it was really good you know i'm happy hire. with the hire yeah um i was i was kind of and this is probably why it's good that we started this podcast because I talked to myself on my drives home from work a lot. <laughs> and I was telling, I was talking to myself and I was thinking like in college football, so not, not counting like obviously pay and like pedigree and like where you're at, like is a yeah. big thing with accepting a job. So like being the defense coordinator at Texas, even though it's <laughs> in the big 12 and they suck, that's a better job than being a defense coordinator at UC. Like obviously the pay's better. The school's bigger. Like you succeed there. You're guaranteed a big time head coaching job, but I don't know if there's a better situation in terms of talent that a defense coordinator could really walk into right now. I mean, like I, I really don't, I really I just walk right into, I don't know that there is, I mean, I guess probably Clemson, I mean, but you know, there's no like available options. What I was saying, yeah. like Clemson, you know, they return everybody and they're always elite Alabama, like sure. But I'm just saying like, you know, take those kind of the obvious ones. Like you see is returning legit talent, all American talent mm-hmm. on defense. That dude's going to walk right in and, you know, he'll be able to you know, put his own footprint on it, but it's like, there's a shit ton of talent there. So I was never really worried about this year. And I was more worried of future hire. And he has, he has Midwest ties. He recruits big up in Northern Ohio and Michigan. That's huge because you see has this area, you know, fickle has, fickle has Cincinnati lockdown going then Brock, have put this on the state of Cincinnati, as they call it, is on lock here. Um, unless guys are going to Ohio State, Fickle's keeping them here. So it's like you go start plucking guys away from northern Ohio, taking those guys who are going to Michigan State. You know, maybe steal a guy who's going to Michigan or something like that. And 
you know, now, now you're getting somewhere. So I think it was, that was a good for recruiting ties. It was big. And he's been a pretty fucking good defensive coordinator. I was going to say, dude, think about, <laughs> think about what is Michigan State? Michigan State is not known for their offense. What is Michigan State known for? They're known for their defense year in, year out. And I see this and I'm like, this is great. Like, I don't know how people could not be happy with it. I mean, yeah, yeah so I, it sucks that Freeman left, but like, I mean, damn, like I'm. Yeah, and we'll get into Marcus because, uh, I mean, I guess we can just go now. But it's like it, it was inevitable at some point. It was yeah. gonna happen, right? I mean, he got he got a freaking huge payday, so it's like, yeah. Of course, How can I mean, you blame that? It's gonna happen. It sucks because he was the mo- he was the top recruiter. Um, obviously, his scheme is legit, and you know. Hopefully he doesn't get bit plucked away to a big head coaching job if Luke ever leaves because he'll have a home right back here again as the head coach of Cincinnati. Yep. So I wish him nothing but success except on October 2nd next year. <laughs> and, um, yeah, shout out to my brother Alex uh, because Freeman's son is in the seventh grade and they play him in football and Freeman's son dominates him. So, so Alex, he's gone. Alex, Alex doesn't have to go through that anymore. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've Marcus handed it the absolute best way, the correct way. Um, I know UC's had two guys decommit. I think they just had one tonight. And I know they had one guy. like a couple days after he announced. Um, there was one that like he was a Georgia happened. was it a Georgia kid or something? Yeah. So which I don't. <laughs> The kid who just decommitted tonight was like a 22 recruit. It's like, I don't know. Did you really think Freeman was going to be here? Like, Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I get it, though. But kids get sold on the program like that. You also don't know like, what's being told like to them like, right. when they're yeah, on so these like, phone whatever. calls and whatnot. I'm not. I'm not going to sweat it. They'll, they'll recruit fine. They have yeah. Fickle has shown he'll be fine. And I think, this guy will go up there and recruit. Uh, I'm excited. I don't I don't know exactly what it'll do to the scheme um, because I think UC kind of put their footprint on being like the f- the five three three. I think is what they call it a defense with yeah. kind of like a hybrid linebacker, which is what they call the sniper position. I think that's what Derek Forrest played last year. Uh, so I don't know this guy. I think I don't. I read this earlier today. I don't know how true it is. Um, I think he played a traditional kind of four three. So, but I mean, maybe I with what talent, like obviously that's staying around, but like talent that's coming in, like maybe that like adapts better for what we have because like force yeah, is I mean, gone, so it's like, yeah, and they, I mean, uh, they, yeah, it'll be, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see. I wonder, um, I think the biggest question mark will be how does he, how does he handle the corners, um, mm-hmm. and not to be like that, I'm some football savant, like I know everything, I don't, but it was kind of like public, like pretty publicly known that Marcus Freeman put his corners on islands. Like UC played a ton of man to man and you know, those corners were good enough to guard a lot of teams in the country one-on-one. Um, you know, I, I still think the stat stands where sauce Gardner hasn't been beaten for a touchdown yet in his career. In his career. So it's like, you know, it, it'll be interesting how much he does that because that's what makes their run defense so effective is that they put their corners one-on-one and they, they allow got extra guys to play in the box because they don't need the safety over top nearly as much. So I think that'll be kind of the most interesting thing to me um, because, you know, the front four is loaded. You know what you're going to get. They're going to get to the, they're going to get to the, uh, the quarterback. Uh, the corners are super talented. Um, they lost a little bit on, at the safety spot, but they're, they have, they're loaded at that position. So they're going to reload there quick and they're returning to senior linebackers. So it's, it's like, the guys are there. It'll just be interesting how, you know, the things he kind of does different, um, I think will be fun. I, 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 I think it's a good hire. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know. I really wasn't too, I mean, I kind of, I kind of just trust fickle at this point. So I was just like, you know what? I think they're going to go out there and whatever. Cause I mean, he's a defensive guy as it is. So it's like, whoever right. he brings in, like he's, he's going to make sure they like, he agrees with what they want to do, like, and what their vision is. So it's like, if he agrees with it, then as fans, like, well, why should we even doubt it? That's kind yep. of the way I look at it. I, dude, I totally. If Luke Fickle says it's good enough, then that's good enough for good me. Enough for I'm me. not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend. I'm sure Fickle's gone over the scheme enough with him. Yeah, well, that's what's I, crazy. I, like, my, you dumb get... ass, my dumb ass doesn't need to sit here and critique it. I'm sure they yeah. got it figured out. Yeah. I'll, I'll put my faith in the guy who's turned around this program in two years. Yep, but um positive uh that that's not positive but i guess freeman leaving's negative but the biggest positive obviously is 
fucking Dez is back. Hell yes. <laughs> Let's go. And Maje. And Maje. Don't want to sleep on that. Maje was huge. We talked about returning defensive linemen. Maje, Maje was a project, projected second, third round pick. So that was yeah. huge for him. But Dev, Dez obviously was the headliner. Um, I don't know. You go. Give me your thoughts. I mean, we kind of, we talked about it um, like last week on our last episode, like how big his decision was. And mm-hmm. obviously at the time we didn't know what it was and we were kind of running through like why it was so big. So it's like, all right, so now you get Des back. Obviously the captain of the team, he's going to be now in his fourth year with the team. He's been to now a power fight or a New Year's Six Bowl. He's got that experience under his belt. And now he's actually, he's playing like, Obviously, they always play for something, but like now, like he's playing for that draft stock. Dude, he's he's, he he's play, playing he for a Heisman Trophy. He, he's like he, it sounds stupid to say, but he's playing for a Heisman Trophy. He's absolutely. playing for a first round pick. And I would be, I think, a good comparison of like who was in his shoes this time last year, Kyle Trask. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, I think, is another good another example. Good example. Zach Wilson didn't. He wasn't like as popular his junior year, but a guy who just like. Yeah, skyrocketed his year. Like his name was being thrown around, but not a lot of people were like right. crazy about him. But definitely people talking about him. I think yep. I think he's in that category. Kyle is another great example. Um, Hell, even this is this is going to sound maybe the most bizarre, but I think you could make similar correlations to Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, like a guy who you know, I think Joe Burrow going into his senior year, some people were saying like a fifth or sixth round pick. Not that Des is a first round pick or that he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. I don't want to start. Oh yeah, Burrow, Burrow right. was but Burrow like, was like a projected like sixth round pick going into the year. Like, yeah, so guys, but guys who you know, there's they have a you know they come back for that senior season, and I think a lot of people were thinking Des was a third or fourth rounder, right? It's kind of kind of what, what I, to be that's what, on. Yeah, like third, fourth round. Of yeah, I thought unless he, if he tested really well, maybe get into the second round. But you yeah. know that kind of thing where he was going to be a third or fourth rounder. So it's like he's betting on himself. He's coming back to be a first round draft pick, like 100%. and off and win. You know, I mean, win. It sounds so weird to say it, but I'm just to win a national championship. Like yeah. those are his goals. Heisman Trophy, national championship, and what's crazy is like, it's it like, sounds crazy, but it's it's not it's there. It's, it's not it's not like unreachable. Like yeah, we're going to be a top fifteen team to start the year, and we go to top ten. Go, I'm, I'm screaming top ten into existence. I'm, I'm saying top, top fifteen because that's a guarantee. No, I know top, they the should be top ten. Assholes, they should be top ten. I'm top, just they should be top ten. But it's like all right, you go to IU. IU just had a great year. Somehow Tom Allen got coach of the year like not he didn't win it but he got placed higher than fickle still doesn't make sense to me yeah. anyway they got a they they have a great team and then you got obviously at notre dame i mean yeah. those are the games that if we win come november october or december when they start releasing there's not that argument of well they didn't play anyone they well, yeah. can't have that argument anymore now and, i'm not saying I mean, that they're gonna win but if they do like that erases that argument, and that puts us like another step closer. And 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 just from a Des perspective, like those are going to be nationally tell. I mean, Notre Dame will obviously be nationally televised every game if there's this on NBC. So, but you know, the, the Indiana game will, will be probably on ABC, ABC right? Nationally televised. Yep. You see, the you know the Central Florida game will be national. Like those games will be nationally televised, and we saw with Zach Wilson, like if you play well in those games, you know that's that's major. Like and Des. Des has his arm strength is pretty good. He's big. He's 6'4", 220 pounds, right? Like he's got a body and he, he can, can run. He can gallop. His biggest question is, <laughs> he, is he can yeah. gallop, man. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's like his his uh his accuracy has always been in, you know, his biggest question. But so now like that, we and, see rides yeah. in that again. Again, that's what I was about to year. say. Like you saw like I think what game was it? Was it the army game where it was like, "Oh my god, you wanted to stab your eyes out with yeah, how it bad." It was like, yeah, was "God, horrible. like that's when a lot of like you were saying like you people were calling for his job, but then it's like you fast forward. What was it? Eight weeks, and like he was a different. It was literally a different quarterback. Right. Like, so it's like you. you if you can do, do that, that again, it's like. Yeah, and then now it's like it's you know it's not crazy to be especially in today's NFL where five guys are getting drafted in the first round every single year. He's got the body. He's and, got the mobility. He's and got to the say now after, it's like. After next NFL season, you're going to have another slew of quarterbacks retire. Exactly, like, exactly. So it's like, the you know, he's playing to be a first-round draft pick. And, 
I think it's I think it's awesome for the program. Like just just looking at it holistically, like you know, let's just say for shits and gigs, you know, he does he has a good year. Let's not say, wait, we don't have to say Heisman Trophy National Championship, right? But let's just say Des has a really good year and he gets a first round draft pick like that. What that does for your program is insane. Like uh, uh, people see that oh Cincinnati Cincinnati just put a guy in the top ten and they've you know. They've been the New Year's Six Bowls back-to-back years, and you know they just had a quarterback on the top. Like that is, I think, like it's it's huge. So it was a, it was a major win for the program. I think it's a great move for Des because I really do think like he has a shot to be, um, like you said, I think I think he definitely has a shot to be his first round draft pick, and yeah. especially 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 especially, um, in today's NFL where quarterback is so interchangeable and they're, you know, guys are looking for a new quarterback. I mean, f- shit, people are talking about the Rams and you get rid of golf. He played in the Super Bowl two years ago. <laughs> so it's like, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. th- that's how fast it is. That's how fast it's moving nowadays. So it's like, um, I think, I think it's super exciting. I think it's super exciting for, for the program overall. Um, and that was, uh, uh, some losses that I don't know were officially announced. Let, James Hudson's gone. He was. Yeah. We talked about him on the last one. Mm-hmm. They did lose their other starting right tackle from last year, so they'll have to replace both tackle spots. Um, they did pick up a guy who was a uh, uh, FCS All American, um, who will come in. Sounds like he'll play tackle. Okay. So um, I don't know. They have some spots on the line that they're going to have to clean up a little bit. Uh, but other than that, everyone's pretty much back. The, uh, Jay Sean Jackson, starting wide receiver, transferred. Um, really? Where did he, where'd he go? He answered his name in the transfer portal. He, I mean, he, he was a guy who started as a freshman and just never. He just couldn't, uh, just couldn't take never, the next he, step. He yeah, he just never kind of got to the next step. He kind of lost a lot of playing time when Michael Young came in. So, um, I was going to ask you actually. Um, all right. So, Prater obviously would have redshirted this year. Um, but now with COVID. Can he use that as his red shirt? So I think the way it works, everyone gets a blanket year anyway. So I don't think anyone's technically using red shirts. So next year, Prater can red shirt again. So come 20. Yeah, I don't think UC will do it, though, because he's going to be the backup quarterback. But if he doesn't play, isn't that the rule? If you don't play in four games and you red shirt? Maybe, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to find a way that they could scheme him for another couple of years. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That would make him a six-year senior, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, yeah, I guess technically if he did it. Um, that's a good point. I don't know. I guess they maybe could. Um, I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully he's balls out and he gets drafted. <laughs> right, yeah. I think that's, you know, you want to start creating that pipeline of like, yeah, guys, come here, play quarterback, be really good, like go to the league, like that kind of thing. Des can get that ball rolling and then it's like, Again, you start it's seeing like, what recruits like the, can really the, do. The possibilities are like endless. Well, it's like it, it's not the same thing. It's not the same sport, but it, it kind of is. It's what Huggins did in '92 with UC basketball, right? Like Van Exel and Corey Blunt mm-hmm. and those guys. Like you know, he meshed and he got those guys hot, and they went to the Final Four. And then Van Exel went and got drafted, and Corey Blunt got drafted in the NBA draft, and then you know. Van Exel's an NBA all-star and Corey Blunt's playing in the finals with the, with the Bulls and the Lakers. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Danny Fortson will come here and be an all American. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, Demar Johnson, McDonald's all American will come here. Oh, you know what I mean? Lizelle Durden top recruit in the like, and I'm dating myself with 90s UC basketball, but like, it's kind of the same effect as where, you know, fickle starts bringing in, you know, Des. It's like a new era. Like you, you see, if you know, let's just say for shits and gigs, and let's play, have fun, and get hypothetical. Let's say Des has a really good year, goes top ten in the NFL draft, right? Like his body fills out, he becomes really accurate. He has a Zach Wilson type year, and holy shit, Desmond Ritter's a top ten draft pick. That is Cincinnati next to it. Let's say Maje Sanders improves his draft stock, which by the way was his second, third round pick. Let's say he gets into the back end of the first round, and let's say for shits and gigs, Sauce Gardner becomes a third, three-time All-American, and UC puts three guys in the first round of the draft. That right? does like lo- that's not that's not crazy to say with with what these guys done and the projections that they have. Like now, it's like holy shit. People are like holy shit. Cincinnati just had three guys drafted in the top ten or top first round, 
and then you know you sneak some guys in the second and third day, right? The, the Curtis Brooks and mm-hmm. and guys like that Wiley. in the back end, and then it's Wiley. Wiley's another great example. Wiley in that thing, you know, on top of guys like Travis Kelsey and Eric Wilson who are having great success in the NFL. It's like you start building a brand and a pedigree, and that's exactly what UC did in the '90s in basketball that made them successful. And like you start to do that, then it's like. You can you start recruiting yourself. Yeah, not that like, you ever not you that you ever be Alabama or Ohio State, but it's like that's you start doing those things. It's how you build a program and become successful. Yeah, so it's like possibilities are endless. Yeah, I, I, that's why I think that move like was so exciting overall, just for the whole scope of the program and where it's going. Um, yeah, I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped for next season. I hope they have fans in Nippert. I got my season tickets. I'm going up to Notre Dame. Those Let's tickets go. are bought. So it's like all that stuff is like I'm just ready for that. I'm ready for for that team that season. Um, but exciting yeah, stuff. I, don't know. I just rambled on for like 20 minutes about random shit for UC football. But, um, I mean, it's probably I don't know. It's exciting stuff. I mean. It's probably the closest thing Cincinnati is going to get to a championship here in the next year or two. So it feels like it. It definitely feels like it. Um, I guess we can do a little UC basketball. And there's yeah. I mean, just we could just kind of touch on it, but there's not really much. I mean, yeah, they've had their last two games postponed because of COVID. So I mean, yeah, they uh, before that they had a big win at SMU. Almost seemed like they were turning a corner, and, and <laughs> just a. That was actually a fan. I mean, it's crazy. It seems so long ago, but that was a that was an amazing win. Yeah, and he, you know, Brandon. We saw Brandon go small, mm-hmm. um, starting Easton at the five. Davenport, uh, Keith Williams, Adams Woods, and DeJulius. It's just, I, I think my yeah. biggest. I mean, you can go on, but I think my biggest takeaway from the game was they were down. I think eight, six or eight points, something like that, late, like. I think it was under the four-minute mark. Which game? That's some U game. Yeah. So they're down late, and I mean, as it, they're what they were two and seven at the time, or whatever. I don't know yeah, the exact. Two and three, I think it was, I think like, it was something two like two that. Six, yeah. I mean, you're down six. You're two and seven. You haven't won a game in conference under the four-minute mark. I mean, it's kind of it could be really easy, kind of just toss it in, you know. But you know what? Like they they went on. I think it was like eleven zero run to end the game. Yeah, and then they come out on the road in SMU. I mean, I get there's not a lot of fans there, but still, I mean, that's a great win. No, it's a good win. It's a pretty good team. Like that's a that's a good SMU team, a team that has a shot to make the tournament. Um, and that's, I think that's what's encouraging is like you know there's so many people who are the firebrand and heads out there, and we talked about them in the last one. I think those are idiots. Um, I I think John Brandon's the right guy. I think he's just there's a lot of moving pieces right now. He has to get some stability with the roster, but. The one thing I don't think we've ever been able to say about this team, except for the Georgia game, hand up, I did not watch the Georgia basketball game. I was at the football game that night. Yeah, there are other, there are other important things going yeah. on. <laughs> so, uh, but like that, I don't know, so I can't speak to that one for sure, but they haven't looked like they've quit all year. Like even the Wichita State game, was another, they kind of made a run at the end of the game where it was like, holy shit, they might, you know, they might do something. Um, and the young guys are emerging every single day. I think as Tari Eason gets more comfortable, he just turns the ball over too much right now. A lot of freshman stuff. We mm-hmm. see Harvey every single day get better. Mike Adams Woods is the only, I guess he's a sophomore who's, I don't want to say regressed, but he's just inconsistent. Um, Davenport has obviously been huge. He had a yep. bad game for his first Wichita, but he's been great. So it's like, I don't see a quit in this team. I don't see a team that's not trying. I just see a team that is discombobulated at times, turns the ball over too much, and they're young. Like it, that, yeah. it's really what it caused. Like to me, that's just what a lot of it boils down to. So I don't. I'm not going to get too caught up in it. I, I wanted to make the NCAA tournament. That's not going to happen. I've come to grips with that. So it's like, to me, let Brandon work. Let's 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 see how this system works. Let's get, uh, you know, let's get these young. Let's keep seeing Zach Carvey get better. Let's keep seeing Mike Adams Woods get better. Let's keep seeing Jeremiah Davenport. Let's 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 see Tar Easton develop more. Let's see him, you know, be able to take a point forward type position, like those kinds of things, and then. It would be nice to get some damn recruits in the building, though. I don't know what the hell's yeah. going on with that. Um, they're linked to a couple guys, so I mean, I follow it a little bit, but it's just like we, it feels like we haven't had a recruit in a while. So, other than that, though, I, I don't have any like real gripes with UC basketball. No. I mean, they're, I think it's kind of they're just kind of in the position we kind of 
if you truly follow UC basketball, I mean, I don't know if they're below your expectation, ex- like no. true expectations. I mean, probably right exactly where you would truly. If think your they expectations would be. were realistic, if you were realistic, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you if you truly follow UC basketball, you then you had realistic expectations, and they're doing that. And again, like this is a this is a team that you know. Uh, I think the record what, is three and six or three and seven, something like that. Yeah. Whatever the record is, you know, you could make the easy argument that they should be five and four. Or whatever yeah, and be. we talked about that. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, so they're, like, they're 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 not possession game, game from the number five team in the country. Yeah, so it's like you know, it is what it is. It's Trust frustrating. But UC fans have gotten so fucking spoiled yep. with basketball. It's gotta, and they've become, it's gotta become. Just gotta trust the process. Yeah, people complained and wanted change and wanted Mick out and wanted, you know, and and I agreed with it. I mean, I I don't want to say I was on the fire Mick train, but it was like something needed to happen where they needed to take the Mick change it up. Hit his mountain at the program. Yeah. Mick's head was touching the ceiling. Yeah, he couldn't go on program. No he, he wasn't going to take. He might have gotten, you know, maybe again in ten years later he was going to have a team like he did in two thousand eighteen that was a two seed and that he could have gone to a final four with. But other than that. Like he, that team was, we were never going to go anywhere. So it's like they needed something new and Brandon's changing it up and it's going to take a little bit of time. And yeah, the recruiting, you know, has been strong so far. I hope he gets some recruits this year, but I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not panicking about it. I hate that we're even like acknowledging it, but it's, it has to be said and it's probably going to have to keep being said every flipping week because they're they're not gonna they're not gonna win a lot yeah so it's like every week we're gonna have to, people are gonna be talking about how he's not the guy and that they suck and it's just like I, I don't i don't think so man i just think it's a it's a weird year there's no fans in the stands like there's a lot of shit that's factoring into this yep. not just john brandon stinks like i don't think john brandon stinks so and it's his birthday so happy birth- birthday Coach happy Brian. birthday jb <laughs> um but uh i think Unless you got anything else, I think that kind of just wraps it up. Yeah, I, I think so too, man. And li- like we said, we're going to try to do this more consistently. Yeah. Um, if you are listening, thank you. We're going to definitely be more active on the social page too. Yeah, give uh, us a follow on Twitter. And we just put up a new Facebook page, um, Nasty Boys on Facebook. So give that a like. Yeah, so we're going to try to be more active and do more things on that. So um, like Shane said, give us a like and uh, thanks for listening.